How many times do you reckon he got his dick wet because of potato salad? Oh, initially, at least five. owners of the land on which we are recording and pay respects to the elders past and present of the Yagara and Tarabal people, sovereignty was never ceded. And this is Online Mole Patrol, ready for a stroll down internet memory lane. I'm Hacklock, a visual artist and chronically online older millennial. And I'm Bridal Butts. And this isn't the YMCA. <laughs> so what are we doing today? Well... Somebody that I'm horny for suggested Kickstarter potato salad. Okay. Okay. Actually, and I only sigh because I'm having to describe them as somebody that I'm horny for instead of <laughs> describing them as somebody who's horny for me. Oh, how the turns have tabled, etc. <laughs> how the turns have tabled? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it being this way around. <laughs> oh, no, a slight loss of power. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll never listen to this because I'm horny for them. <laughs> horny for me. Oh, God, cut this all out. Nobody can know. <laughs> okay, so you're telling the main story. Yeah. And then we're going to have a bracket battle where we do our final Barn Me showdown. Oh, yeah, awesome. Fuck yes. And then finally we're going to do a memes for Marlo. Memes for dear sweet Marlo. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> Kickstarter potato salad. I va- I vaguely remember this being a thing. Yeah. And I'm sure I paid more attention to it at the time, but I then forgot about it instantly. It was like 2014, so I don't know if that was a, oh, what an innocent time for us all. What a frivolous time. 2014. <laughs> I mean, it was after 9-11. That's true. It was before I moved away. Oh, yeah. I was probably living in that ramshackle share house out in Norman Park. I probably had that geriatric cat. (laughs) I would have no idea what I was up to during that time. I cannot. I'm very bad at working out, actually, like, what year various things happened. I know which share house I was in in which year, and then that tethers me. Um, We weren't hanging out. No. The only way I know what happened when is by looking back through photographs of the time because I always have taken a lot of photographs. Oh, treat yourself. I see you there with the phone. I'm looking for photos. When was 2014? Oh, I think that was before I had an iPhone, so I don't know. Wait. Oh, yeah. I got my first smartphone in 2013. Like, I'm only a year deep into being, like, sucked into my phone all the time. <laughs> I probably still had a computer. It still, still weirds me out that you don't have a computer. Well, I do have a computer. It's just full of ants. <laughs> That's not a computer, that's a lunchbox. Our dear friend has offered to help me suction the ants out, but seems like a lot of work. So, 
kickstart a potato salad, Zach Danger Brown yep. puts up this Kickstarter campaign about making potato salad. It said, potato salad. <laughs> I'm making potato salad. Uh, there was a picture of a bowl of potato salad, and he provided further detail. He says, basically, I'm just making potato salad. I haven't decided what kind yet. <laughs> In the first instance, he was asking for $10. That was his goal on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. At Risks and Challenges, Brown wrote, it might not be that good. <laughs> it's my first potato salad. <laughs> I like that he tempers it immediately. There, there is that Risks and Challenges part of the You have to fill that out. Campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess it's a credible risk that mm-hmm. it might not be that good. Um, ultimately, the campaign raised more than uh, fifty-five thousand US dollars. Oh my god! From, from almost seven thousand backers. <sighs> yep. Um, in the first instant, <laughs> in the first instance, the rewards included. I suppose this isn't in the first instance because in in the beginning it was a lot less, and then he keeps on introducing stretch goals. But okay. let me walk you through the different rewards that ended up ultimately being involved. Um, a thank you posted on Brown's website, a picture of Brown making the potato salad, Brown saying your name out loud while making the potato <laughs> salad, shipping you a bite of oh, potato salad in the post. That sounds expensive. Letting you choose an ingredient to go in the potato salad. Oh, no. Letting you hang out in his kitchen while he makes the potato salad. Double or no? Writing you a potato salad haiku. (laughs) Sending you a potato salad themed hat. A t-shirt thing. A recipe book with potato salad recipes inspired by each country that all the backers were from. A name carved into a potato used in the salad. A signed jar of mayo. Okay, so were they all in the initial or the various no, stretch goals? No, okay. no, no. Right. There was like fuck ton of all stretch right. goals in there. Um, three days after Brown listed the project, he went on local TV news in Columbus, Ohio, expressing amazement that the campaign had blown up and at that time he had less than 200 packets. <laughs> Um, then traffic got really hectic and eventually there were 4.1 million visits to the page. Oh my God. Um, it ended up being the fourth most viewed project page in Kickstarter's history after the Veronica Mars movie, (laughs) something called Pebble Watch and some kind of game console called Ouya or whatever, which maybe got like fucking 8 million US dollars. I think I remember seeing ads for the Pebble Watch. I think it was just a smartwatch. Yeah. It just I looked it up, it looked like a watch. <laughs> then I don't like watches, so fart noise. <laughs> um, more people went and looked at potato salad than Oculus Rift. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean it was a gag, right? You're attracted to see Yeah. What's the gag? Yeah. Um, so Kickstarter in a blog post wrote Zach's project inspired some hand-wringing about what it all means. Here's one take. (laughs) Thanks, Kickstarter. (laughs) Kickstarter is a good place to aim high and go big, but small projects are great too. 
If you want to make something to share with others, maybe you just need 10 or 20 or 50 people to get your idea off the ground. And if it turns out that 6,911 people will share your vision for potato salad, then you're going to need some more potatoes. <laughs> That's very diplomatic of them. Business Insider wrote about it <laughs> with the headline being, the potato salad Kickstarter is over and it raised more money than a lot of people make in a year. Oh, God. Which I guess is true. So at the point where it closed, what had he promised? What was he supposed to be doing? All that shit I just said. All of it. He'd, he'd reached all those goals. Also like a, like a fucking party where you <laughs> have potato salad. <laughs> How many people was he supposed to have hanging out in his kitchen while he made the salad? Uh, I couldn't tell you rightly. <laughs> Um, so there was an article in the New Yorker that I liked a lot about it, written by some dude called Ian Crouch. Mm. And, uh, so he writes, Why are people giving money to a stranger who has barely even promised to make a dish of potato salad? Depending on one's sense of humour, the deadpan, unassuming nature of the plan, its odd simplicity, is simply funny. Best laugh I had in a while, wrote one funder who gave two bucks. <laughs> Another wrote, I pledged to him not to receive a photo of the potato salad, but because I love the idea of pledging to a potato salad. <laughs> it makes me happy when people are not dead serious about everything. The money isn't a donation to some future accomplishment, but a gift for the existing one of having spread low-key joy across the internet, whatever. This, of course, is not what Kickstarter is set up to do. And until recently, the company vetted campaigns looking for rigorous, serious fundraising projects. Some donors have used Brown's potato salad goof as a way of critiquing the new free-for-all feel of the platform or to mock the tone of Kickstarter campaigns in general which have been mounted by small-timers and movie-making celebrities alike. The more famous the project became and the more objections that were raised by those who were befuddled or miffed by its success, the more money it earned. As one nicely foul-mouthed user explained, I'm giving a buck simply for the amusement and surrealism factor and to give a big fuck off to the <laughs> self-righteous pissants out there. Wow. A lot of people put their own agendas into this, which I kind of like. It's like the Rorschach test of uh, crowdfunding. So ultimately, because of the number of backers, it didn't end up being practical to send bites of potato <laughs> salad in the mail. So instead, Brown put together a free potato salad party, Potato Stock 2014, <laughs> in his hometown, Columbus, Ohio, with proceeds from concessions to benefit a fund to put an end to hunger in central Ohio. Oh, that's good. So some people said it was wasteful and that Brown should donate his crowdfunded money to charity, but apparently Kickstarter's rules explicitly prohibit donating money. Yeah. Presumably, um... You have to use it for the purpose that you've promised. Uh, presumably it's be so that backers' money doesn't go on to support causes the backers did not intend to benefit when they donated. That's probably a, a good thing to set up. All right, fair enough. I mean, like, either the person who ran the campaign keeps the money or they donate it to something that you don't like, but it's like... Mm. I don't know. So here's another passage from that same New Yorker article. Um, Ian Crouch is saying that at Slate, 
Jordan Weissman had taken the position twice that Brown should give the money to charity, perhaps to a local food bank. While the symmetry of this is appealing, potato salad for everybody, it seems based on a basic misreading of this mini phenomenon that essentially the money itself is some kind of ill-gotten gain, an accidental and undeserved windfall that is tainted by its curious origins and so should simply be given away. But Kickstarter is not a fundraising platform for charity. In fact, its official regulations forbid it. No one gave Brown their money with the expectation that he would necessarily do anything with it, good or bad, short of probably, eventually, making some potato salad. <laughs> yeah. Um, they but- knew that they were paying into a goof. They were rewarding the funny nature of it. So does it kind of pervert and subvert the original basis for the donation to then turn the goof into... Into something serious. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'd be pissed off. I gave you this money as a fuck around and now you're turning <laughs> it into something good. Fuck you. <laughs> Whenever I see that where something quite funny or inane has done really well, I feel... Conf- I'm conflicted about it because, one, you've done something funny and it's paid off and props to you but on the other end I see huge amounts of money donated to things that are just kind of a funny goof and you see people who are trying to do really good shit and they can't raise any money and it's like uh I have a really tough time on Tumblr when I see those posts that are like, I can't pay rent. And yeah. I'm like, oh, look away, look away. It's like the posts in your feed about like shelters that are it's like, this cat's getting put down tomorrow if nobody fosters it. And it's like, oh, 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 I can't deal with the weight of the world right now. Yeah. And it is much nicer and easier to be like, ha ha, potato salad Kickstarter than to donate to someone's cancer GoFundMe. I didn't really incorporate it into my notes for the show today, but there are a couple of articles that were talking about the idea that, you know, this potato salad Kickstarter went viral and got like 55 grand US Mm. when there's all of these Kickstarters about people not being able to support their families and people needing medical treatment and yeah yeah and it just being like it it should be okay to do something fun and silly and subvert expectations and seriousness but everything also sucks all the time for so many people yeah and money is so scarce that i'm like uh, I love this, but also, can you support it and give more of that money to something more more meaningful? I don't know. I don't know. I can't do anything fun. <laughs> I can never. I can never do anything fun. Uh, is, there's always a level of guilt on everything. I'm just like an emotional black hole. <laughs> you do fun shit all the time. That's why I hang out with you. Only to make up for being an emotional black hole. <laughs> I was about to call a client today and I screamed out into the office, um, feed me your hate. <laughs> Cause I knew that they wouldn't like what I was calling them to say. <sighs> <laughs> Actually, I was feed me your hate. Feed me your hate. 
Um, yeah, I was talking to a colleague um, this morning about about being able to pinpoint when I lost the faith. <laughs> oh. No, there was there was this really cute ideological, uh, you know, moment in my career when I first started where I was like, you know, every... It's funny. Every single client that I speak to, you know, they've all got a story. And then I do I do remember exactly the first person who I knew was taking the piss with me. Mm. And um, I'm not too interested in judging that person either. So it's like a complicated thing. So they were still doing the best that they could do in their situation. But also that involved lying to me about what was going on. Ugh. Yeah. And there was just a bit of that today. Okay. I can't make that funny. <laughs> it's just sad. But also uh, just the way the world works. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, anyway, so I really liked this article from The New Yorker, so um, I'm going to just read you heaps of it. Okay. Angry boards read New Yorker. <laughs> just cita- citation? Yeah. Um, I've got all the links together so I can give them to you later on. Um, So Ian Crouch writes, On Tuesday, Brown went on Good Morning America, and in the form of bland seriousness, the weird fun of the experiment reached its end. The show's panel of six hosts brought him out, and in trying to make sense of things, they couldn't quite manage to hide looks of vague disgust. Robin Roberts asked Brown what he was going to do with the money. Brown paused and turned earnest. I want to do the most good I can do with this, he said. He talked about how Kickstarter doesn't allow fundraisers to give money directly to charity, but said he was open to ideas about how to put the money to good use. Brown, suddenly speaking like some NGO guy giving a TED talk, went on about how we can take this moment, this campaign, and this money and do the most good with it. The well-paid panel of talking heads murmured their assent, relieved that Brown had turned out to be such a decent guy, saying they expected things about changing the world instead of simply pumping his fists into light at his sudden payday. I feel so much better about this, George Stephanopoulos said. I'm glad that Stephanopoulos feels better, but why did he feel bad in the first place? A friend of mine who, over the objections of his wife, donated a dollar to Brown's Lark, told me he considered the project's viral success an example of someone winning the internet lottery. Mm. Of course, Brown's windfall isn't fair to serious people on Kickstarter whose ideas have been ignored or to hardworking single parents struggling to feed their families or to the hungry and desperate everywhere. Brown struck a bit of gold, while others pan hopelessly. But to pretend that a reward is always, or even ever, commensurate with the amount of work one does is to misconstrue how the world works. If potato salad leads people to reflect on the injustices of modern American capitalism, then we really may be onto something. For now, though, I will reluctantly join the chorus of sudden advice givers. Brown should do whatever he wants with his money. Yeah, that's fair. This is this is modern capitalism. This is the way the world works. The universe is chaotic, baby. Do we have any follow up on what he did do with the money? Um, yeah, I got a couple few bits. I wanted to look up what up with this fucking killjoy over at Slate. (laughs) So anyway, that guy writes, at the moment, 
This is all back in 2014, right? Mm. At the moment, the famous potato salad Kickstarter campaign has raised more than $40,000 with 24 days of the pledge drive left to go. Because donors can cancel or adjust their pledges, that total will probably fluctuate a bit. Nonetheless, it's a boatload of money, and I'm guessing the final tally will be solidly in the five figures. More than 3,700 donors have chipped in, and they're not going to disappear all at once. Uh, they're not all—they're not all going to disappear once they've had their laugh. Currently, Zach Brown, the 30, 31, the 31-year-old Columbus, Ohio, software company owner who created the Kickstarter, says he plans to use the money for a giant party over Labor Day weekend. All these wonderful people are making my dream of spreading joy and humour in the world come true, he told ABC News. We're going to throw a massive party in Columbus and the whole internet is invited. We are going to do right by the internet. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Weissman over at Slate writes, This is a fine goal, but while everybody is still paying attention, I'd just like to reiterate that instead of burning all his proceeds in one big potato potluck, Brown could donate at least some of those dollars to, oh, maybe a local food bank? No, we can't do that. It's against the rules. It's against the rules, Weissman. Um, anyway. Jonathan Weissman in this contemporaneous article also referred to the Kickstarter um, FAQs, um, which I'd love to read to you if Bixby would get the fuck off my phone. Um, I have a friend whose cat's name is Bixby, and it's it annoys me so much that there's now a um, assistant called Bixby because I'm like, no, that's a cat's name. I'm so mad at Bixby. Like, get the fuck off my phone. Get the <laughs> Fuck off. Bixby is the best cat, and their name is being sullied. Mad. 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 Okay, so Kickstarter, at least back in 2014, here's what they had to say about um, what happens when a project is overfunded. Obviously, we don't need $50,000 to make potato salad, so mm. what up? Um, when a project is overfunded, backers sometimes wonder what happens with all that extra money. If a creator has a funding goal of 5000 and raises 25000 what do they do with the 20000 they didn't ask for? What the creator does in that case varies greatly depending on the project. Most of the time, what seems like extra money isn't extra at all. Ten times the funding often means ten times the backers. More rewards have to be produced and distributed, and creators need that funding too, and it's sometimes, um, sometimes some of their own money too. Whatever the fuck that means. I totally cut-pasted this, so any <laughs> grammatical issues uh, are not my fault. Okay. Um, sometimes when a project is overfunded, it lets the creator put that money back into the project to create something better for the backers and themselves. More songs on an album, additional game elements, better materials, etc. In other cases, overfunding leads to better margins, and the creator may even profit from the project. This often also means that the creator can continue the project beyond Kickstarter and backers are part of that story. In either case, Brown said he was going to donate a significant portion of the money to the Columbus Foundation to assist nonprofits in Central Ohio address hunger and homelessness. Um, regarding what happened next, mm. uh, I printed out the first, or perhaps last, uh, 100 comments from the campaign site, just to give you a flavour. Okay. Never got my picture. <laughs> Neither did I. Got real on the pledges. 
Still waiting. Ha ha. I'm sure he spent all the money already. I really wanted that hat. <laughs> Still no book. No. Oh, no. Never received my book, sad face. Never got my reward. Never got the photo. Glad that I didn't pledge more than $2. I don't really care for my $3. I just find it funny that nothing came of this and he gobbled up the attention. Even made an apple parody like some schmuck. Hope you enjoyed your run. I was happy to contribute to this project when it was a gag, but then you made it real by offering a book which I was very interested in. So far, no book, despite contributing a not insubstantial amount of money and no word from you. If you're not going to send them, say so. I want my money back. Lapart. <laughs> That's me. I do that, cunt. Fuck. I want my money back. Love, Love you. <laughs> Hi, Zach. I hope this email finds you well. It's not an email, it's a comment on a bloody Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> I wanted to ask a favour of you. If you would please take a moment of your busy schedule and check out <laughs> our Kickstarter campaign for Clarity and Errors, you've already run a successful campaign yourself, so your feedback is of genuine interest in me. Oh my god, what? This is somebody who wants, like, tips. Thank you and sending you blessings from Jerusalem in the foyer and Tov. P.S. Our preview link is blah blah. Uh, Jeru Spice Girl. Okay, I didn't click. Around. I don't know what the campaign's about. Hello, I never got my reward for my pledge. Where is my book? Sad face. Blah blah blah. Somebody with a number of posts about how they didn't get their book. Uh, I mean, like, obviously, why would anybody bother commenting unless they hadn't got. Yeah, it's just going to be people who are unhappy. What they're after, yeah. So top 100 um, comments, it turns out, was like 19 pages, so I'm not going to read all of that. <laughs> Seems like it might have been quite unwieldy to try and implement, like, providing all of the rewards. Yeah. So, like, there's one of the last updates is from April 2015. Mm. So I noticed this one. It says, so this is Zach. Yeah. Danger Brown writing. Um, hey, everyone, how's your spring and how is winter and fall? Oh, oh, boy, it really has been a while, hasn't it? First, I want to say I'm very sorry for the radio silence. I know that if you, I were you, I'd be upset at me. I hope you all accept my apology. I really am very sorry that I dropped the ball. Each one of you is responsible for making this thing so silly and so special, and you all deserve to be updated regularly until all rewards have been delivered. The last six months included fulfilling the shirt and hat reward for most of you, enjoying the holidays, and then trying to get back to work and regular life. I meant to post an update way sooner, but never felt like I had any news to share. So without further ado, here is where I think we stand today on rewards. I will say your name out loud while making the potato salad. And there's a link to a YouTube video where presumably he does that, but I did notice some people commented in those comments that they didn't get their name read out. Oh. Um, you will get a thank you posted to our website. That was one of the rewards. Mm -hmm. And he says, as a web developer, I am ashamed that I haven't done this just yet. Very sorry that this is still not done. I would like to get this done by the summer. Um, receive a photo of me making the potato salad. We're still figuring out how we want to do this. This could either be a postcard sent out by a mass mailing company or a photo sent through email or posted to the website. Obviously, a postcard is preferable, but I'm not sure it's going to be feasible. Please let me know in the comments what you all think. I've had, you know, small amounts to do with bigger, costly projects. Yeah. Like getting services up and running and stuff like that. 
And the idea of all of the stuff that he's undertaken to do... Is very expensive. Yeah, on, like, 50 grand US when it's really time-consuming and he's somebody who at this point in time seems to be self-employed. Mm. I, um, of course, cannot pay attention to anything ever, so I was uh, Googling while you've been reading this out, and uh, I see he did take a hiatus from his job during the height of this. Yeah. Um, because it kind of went crazy. So presumably some of the money is just money that he's living on. Yeah. There's this thing about, like, everybody who filled out the... About the hat and the shirt, everybody who filled the survey prior to the end of November should receive their hat and their shirt. I'm planning to have another round. If you pay for the shirt and the hat and you haven't received them, please leave a comment on this update. And, like, the comments on this update are different to the comments that are on the bigger thing. And so I'm just like, oh, this seems like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of shit about the recipe book. There is indeed a recipe book... That you can still, even today, purchase online. The Peace, Love, and Potato Salad Cookbook. Yeah, there's the picture. It's not a particularly amazing front cover. Um, $16.95. There you go. Pretty you can, good. Yeah, you can buy that online, mate. How many recipes? 24 potato 24. salad recipes. I'm not... Uh, do, wouldn't you feel a bit... You know, how often do you buy a recipe book that's only got 24 recipes in it? Not very often. I think that's... You know, that's a lot of dollars per recipe. I mean, it's only $16.95, though. Wait. $16.95. Wait, wait, wait. wait. $16.95 divided by 24. Yeah. It's 70 cents a recipe. (laughs) I think that's good. But recipes are forever. Computer. How many recipes are in Ottolenghi Simple? (laughs) 130. How much did you pay for that? Okay, there's 130 in there. Ottolenghi simple. So, 20, fucking 29 bucks. You get, you're only paying 22 cents per. $29 for simple? Yeah. Really? I'm sure I got it for 17 bucks at bloody Target. I thought it was really much more expensive than that when it came out. No, you spend all of your money on the preserved lemon. Two cents a recipe, and it's Ottolenghi. They're good ones. If you're listening, Ottolenghi, love you, work, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is like, first of all, he hasn't got a major publishing deal, so is that how you keep your recipes cheap per unit? I think it's more expensive to print per unit. That's pr- that's not him hosting that. That's a publishing house. That's publishing house's website. Yeah. But the cost per unit, if you're doing a smaller run, it's more expensive per unit than if you do a much bigger run of books, of printing. I'm still dissatisfied. (laughs) All right, then don't buy the potato salad book. I was thinking about buying one and giving it to a a listener (laughs) as revenge. I was about to say, is that a reward? These are any good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just potato salad. <laughs> just put some pickles in it, mate. <laughs> Potatoes. That's all you need to make potato salad. Can of corn. Ugh. Boiled egg. <laughs> How to make the worst potato salad. <laughs> I 
I'm going to send you a bite of potato salad in the post. <laughs> to any new listeners, I do not like egg. <laughs> and uh, Brian likes to torture me about it. <laughs> I love egg. <laughs> I know. We're like the odd couple. Because <laughs> I love eggs. Jack Spratt. Jack Spratt would eat no fat. His wife would eat no lean. But we're both fat. And so betwixt them both, you see, <laughs> they lick the plate clean. Or whatever, however it goes. You eat the egg, I'll eat the rest. The end. But I want to <laughs> eat other things too. No, all you get is egg. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if in this shit show, yeah. he just donated half to charity and then kept the other half for himself. That would be totally within his prerogative. Yeah. I mean, you know what you donated to? A joke. A joke Kickstarter. Yeah, a crapshoot. Once you start promising real-life objects like a cookbook... A cookbook? You have to kind of deliver on that. There's a bunch of updates about, like, working on the cookbook, met with somebody to fucking figure out the cookbook. I reckon he spent all his fucking time on the cookbook. You just need to promise... Give me my digital hat. Digital items, like... Like reading it out, uh, a picture, because you can just forward a picture to everybody's email. I've got a confession. What? Even though I've subscribed to your Patreon, I don't look at any of your shit. Brinal P. Butts. <laughs> it's, uh, I'll have you know it's PP Butts. <laughs> How dare you support me without supporting me? Um, okay, look, I'll take you through point by point. Uh, wallpapers for phone can't do it the wallpaper on my phone was sent to me by somebody who's horny for me who says i'm not horny for you (laughs) (laughs) it's fine it's fine i'm not offended that you don't genuinely like my artwork i can't well i like your artwork look the playlists i can't listen to a playlist i need to listen to exactly the same music (laughs) all the time okay um what else do you do pictures of me oh i wouldn't know because i don't check oh because it comes out by email so the updates are by email so i would have to read an email and i'm too busy and sexy for that (laughs) that's fair enough (laughs) (laughs) look it's fine i mean if you're not reading them then i don't have to i don't have to deliver very good results do i (laughs) no no and look i'm still subscribing yeah um so i wanted to confirm that the party went down potato stock 2014 did it i found some photos from an article on the verge and they're in fact very boring and it does not look like a truck ton of people turned up how would you make that fun nobody knows anybody there seemed to be a potato sack race Okay. Yeah. It made me feel better about all of my parties. I've only been to some of your parties and they were good. <laughs> Thanks. Most interestingly, though, The Verge interviewed him after the party and asked him about what next? Yeah. Uh, so they say, before the project took off on Kickstarter, Brown worked as a software developer building websites and mobile apps at a company he founded called Base2, but has been on a prolonged hiatus. I'm still the owner, but day to day it's been difficult to do anything but potato salad. (laughs) Now that the big event is over, however, he doesn't think he's going back. 
If the past couple of months have been any indication, I'm willing to do things that make me more than a little uncomfortable but to pursue big things that make me happy, he explained. This project has opened some doors for me that I want to explore. Time to explore the door. <laughs> Brown has been cold-calling television comedies, he admires, hoping his brush with internet stardom might land him a starter gig. During the most manic part, he was emailing the head writers of shows to ask if they could use him for anything. I'll make the coffee, he offered. Aww. I did find um, a sort of where is he now? Yeah. Flavoured interview with him in 2016 on Daily Dot, which confirmed that after doing all the reward fulfilment, he donated the remaining money um, to that charitable fund, um, the Columbus Foundation, which was looking at ending hunger and homelessness in central Ohio. And he reported that he had previously been a 50% owner of a company and took a hiatus when all the potato stuff happened and he didn't end up going back and he sold his uh-huh. half to his original um, partner. And he also started a very boring looking app about insurance and okay. reported in 2016 that he was working as an autonomous vehicle developer for a major car company. That's cool. And I did bring a copy of the article that talks about his fucking... A new smartphone app will reward good drivers with lower insurance rates. I, I didn't read any further because I'm a terrible driver, so this isn't That's fine. It's basically, he hasn't been able to leverage that potato salad fame into a comedy career, basically. Yeah, good thing he's got a highly lucrative uh, skill set yeah. that he was using to make money out of before his potato salad moment i mean that's probably the dream right you get some fame for a while you get to experience that you get some money you get to experience that but then you get to continue having a normal life with privacy and stuff how many times do you reckon he got his dick wet because of potato salad oh initially at least five I mean, it would be a stretch now. Can you imagine meeting him now being him being like, I'm the potato salad Kickstarter guy, and you just be going, uh, eh, okay? Look, buy me seven expensive drinks and I'll think about it. I just want to review my bone list to see if I think um, anybody fucked me just because they thought I was cool because of, like, reputation or something. Probably. Well, let me have a look. Let me have a look. How many viral Kickstarters have you started? Look. I have a well-regarded Facebook page. Wait, are you saying you think someone may have fucked you because of your Facebook page? Um, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, 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 look. Look, I'm looking at one right now on the list. Definitely got that one. Look, I reckon at least two people have fucked me because they thought I was cool and they were wrong. Yeah, they were wrong. <laughs> So if I can get two out of nothing, then he definitely got five. He definitely got five. He definitely got five. Yeah. And then it started to get a little weird after that if you brought it up. Hey, baby. (laughs) How's your night been? But if they brought it up, then he could be like, yeah, that's me. Look, I know what you're thinking. And yes. I I am am the potato salad guy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yes. Kickstarter says I can do whatever I want <laughs> with my overfunds. And what I'd like to do, little mama, is buy you a drink. 
you want to come back to my place and watch me make potato salad? Potato <laughs> 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 salad is not like a before sex meal. What's a good before sex meal? I don't know. Cup of soup? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not really sexy. Well, a snack? But it's not going to be like weigh you down. What about like a small boost juice? That's not really a meal. <laughs> It has the sorbet in it. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> when I'm depressed, a, a very small amount of food can, can be a meal. <laughs> a glass of water, yes, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Cup um, of tea, man, there's multiple things in this. This is definitely a meal. I had a relationship when I was younger and um, I was not, uh, you know, I was living on welfare. Mm. Um, and my payday was on the off. It was like one week was my payday. And one week was their payday. So yeah. on our alternating paydays, we would shout each other dinner. And um, we really liked to go to Sizzler <gasps> and eat ribs. Oh, nice. And it was definitely that relationship where you'd eat a lot and then not be able to fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you eat too much food or if you eat food that's really like filling and heavy, like a big pasta or something, you're not going to feel like fucking. I mean, you might feel like it. But you're not going to be able to able. do it. Yeah, or know, like, it's going to be a very poor performance because the... you're like, all right, if you pump me one more time, I'm going <laughs> to fart. <laughs> like the spirit is willing. <laughs> but the, the body is sleepy. Is <laughs> The spirit is willing. The body is digesting. Um, someone who's horny for me at some point was talking about like when they'd eaten too much. Yeah. And they said, I'm fully inflated. <laughs> <laughs> ah, for some people, that's a sex thing. Yeah, I know. That's why I think it's so funny. Oh my God. I found his Instagram. <sighs> it only has 299 followers. Tell me more. The second image is a potato salad. Oh, my God. Uh, but he hasn't updated it since 2016. No, I reckon he's working for the military now to develop potato salads that'll kill civilians. Whoa. I don't like that idea. Um, I think I know who I was with the other day and talking about this. You know, like... Oh, things have changed so much in the time that we've been alive. And I remember my grandma being baffled by the microwave. And what will happen to us? What will life be like when we're old? I we're know, old now. Uh, we're not very old. Um, but I want, anytime this conversation comes up, I know exactly what I want. I want the machine from the Jetsons where it's got the picture of all the foods and you press the button and then the food materializes and it's like a roast chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a tablet that you put in and suddenly it becomes the food, right? Like a spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah. Very magical. But that's not something you're baffled by. That's just a future thing that hasn't been delivered yet. Yeah, what will we be baffled by? Uh, I mean, like, obviously I need a password manager. I'm baffled <laughs> by passwords. <laughs> Different one for everything. No. That's, no, what, no, no. that's what you're going to be the manager to do it all for you. Then you don't have to remember. You have I, to need, <laughs> I need a manager for my password manager, <laughs> which is why an upcoming scheduled date for me is uh, somebody helping me sort out my passwords. Yay, you're doing it. Sexy. You're getting that password shit managed. 
Cybersecurity is sexy. That's so adult of you. Is it really adult of me to compel somebody else to do it for you? Somebody with a romantic interest in me. Yeah, totally. To do it for me. Using your sexual using your sexual wiles to manipulate someone into doing something for you. Definitely very adult of you. Oh my god, I'm living. (laughs) (sighs) All right. I guess it's time for a bracket battle. So we're gonna be recording that on the go. Hopefully my audio uh, pr- recording prowess on the go will be better than the abortive attempt with Zach. Cross your fingers. Let's find out what happens with I'm really the bun me. I'm really excited for the shit audio. Bad audio, mouth sounds. I'm going to love it. <laughs> Drinking. Drinking, driving. No. Illegal. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm a lawyer. So we're sitting in a park, which is why you can hear lots of children screaming, and we have collected multiple barn me's for our final barn me showdown. Um, most notably, I think the Captain Planet of barn me's, which is we've disgustingly constructed in this park. Yes. Um, in a very COVID safe manner, um, <laughs> by pulling the meat out of <laughs> a barn me that we got from Cafe Omai, and. Um, and jamming it into the, <laughs> the rest of a bun me from the takeaway mm. at Dara, Dara near the train station that is not the Scots Road takeaway. The one just called Dara Takeaway. Yeah. Okay. So we've tried this one before, both of these. Yes. And we decided that these were the two best elements. And so yes. now we have combined them to create Captain Planet bun me. Yeah. And maybe a note on this as well is that we discussed and made a decision that we were going to leave in the pork ball because I yeah. love pork ball and we decided it was a winning element. Okay. Of... Yes. <laughs> the other one, even though I didn't vote, I didn't vote for that bun <laughs> me with you and Zach. Yes. Oh. And is, is this a good time for me to mention, because Zach won't know yet, I don't think. Yep. Zach won't know that, um, oh, that he's Radis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I need him to know that he's Raddus. Bri has decided that of all the ferals, Zach is Raddus P. Raddus. <laughs> I have decided that I'm a Digliana. Yep. Checks out. But also a little bit Raddus. Who am I? Am I like Joe King? Am I the human? Oh, God, no. I hate him. <laughs> no, he's slimy. That's me. Um, oh, I wore these earrings to work. And my, oh, you were there. Yeah. At the pub, my colleague said that jellyfish earrings work for me because um, jellyfish are spineless. <laughs> what a bird. Yeah, what a bitch. I'm trying to remember what the other ferals are. There's Mixie, the yeah. bunny, and Darren, the dog. Oh, The no. dopey dog. Am I Darren? Yeah, yeah, Darren. Fuck. All right. But you're sweet. All right, I'll cop it. I want to eat this bun me. I'm incredibly hungover. Okay, but we're also facing the this one off. Oh, well, Against let's just eat other it first. Ones. Yeah, okay. okay. So this is our Captain Planet bun me, and its task is to beat the Scots Road takeaway. takeaway, which is supposed to be the best in Brisbane. Yep. So. I just want to get a real feel for it. <laughs> oh. She's refusing to give me the bun me. No. The Scots Road takeaway. It's pretty unassuming. 
Mm. It's a nice crusty. Well, I mean, I say nice and crusty. People like crusty roll. I don't necessarily, but we'll see. I wonder if this is. I wonder if Scotts Road takeaway. Maybe it's exemplary in terms of the category. Maybe this is like the standard. Maybe this is like a real bun me that isn't like the urban me. Yeah, it isn't like stuffed full of toppings in the way that a lot of places mm. it is. I, like, I wonder if this is what a bun me is really supposed to be like. There's something about the quality of the way the fat oh. and the meat is cooked. I'm not sure what I can say about it. Damn, that's good. It's hard for me to say why it's so good. Mm. It's very fresh. It's not stuffed. The meat is just good. I think everything in it is just really good. Yeah. And I feel like the bread is really good and the meat is really good. I can taste the pate, but it's not. And the chill, none of it's overwhelming. All the flavors are mixing together quite evenly. You know, I was lolling at the menu having a bit that said that you could order extra pate, mm. but I think I would. Mm -hmm. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. But I also, that is really good. Mm. It's much meatier, obviously, because we stuffed extra meat in it. They had a bunch of different types mm. at Dara Takeaway too. They had like a pork mince and a pork loaf. Yes. And a combination. And a roast, didn't they? But I reckon the Scots Road one. I'm a Scots Road. Is better still. I agree. Even combining the superior elements from the previous two, I think Scots Road still wins. Eating Scots Road, I'm annoyed by the chunkiness of the meat. On the other one? Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad. I looked Margaret New in, in her face and said hello. And now I've betrayed her <laughs> by saying I'm annoyed by the chunkiness of the meat. I'm a bad person. I have no integrity. I mean, also, we're two white girls who are not experts in food. Or in Vietnamese food. Oh, that, that has certainly occurred to me. I want to bite the loser. All right. Bite me. So what's in the loser? The loser is the meat from... The Dara, Dara Takeaway Dara. and the rest of the bun from Cafe Amai. Cafe Amai. And we're drinking Pasito with this, just like we did last time. Oh, oh yeah, to recreate the same <laughs> experimental conditions. <laughs> because we're bun me scientists. Oh. Yeah, so I was saying, for the sake of clarity, I think we need to, you know, we ordinarily say that the results of bracket battles are legally binding. Yes. I think we want to be clear that this is not legally binding. No. That we know nothing about food. No. And we're white. Yep. So. So we have no. Um, this is us goofing. Status here. No. We're not qualified. No, we are completely unqualified. Mm -hmm. And people have different food preferences that are completely valid. So we're and just giving, about chips. unless it's about chips, mm -hmm. right. or soup, or continental pasta. Continental pasta. <laughs> That's. It's just in this case, it's totally fine if you disagree with us, but I am still it's thinking. Not, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. we're having fun. This is an excuse to eat banh mi. I'm covered in crumbs. And burp. Don't microphone. edit that out. Keep that in. <laughs> The punters will love it. I do edit a lot of burps out of our recordings. That's fucking funny. <laughs> and I'm not surprised. <laughs> do you like loser? I do. Yeah, I like loser too. There's more onion or pate or something on this? I think there's more onion. Mm. 
I'm not sure that I necessarily saw onion on other ones. I'm not sure that I see onion on mm. Scott's Road. Oh, the pate looks so good. Fuck. I was just picking it up to look at it, but now I've been seduced by it. <laughs> Fuck, it's good. Yeah, the outcome is they're all great. So I brought along another contender. Yeah, the just to see. The bun me of white people. <laughs> a rooster roll. <laughs> a red rooster chicken and gravy roll. No, there's no gravy in these. Oh, really? Rooster roll. Mm. Is it just mayo and chicken? Well, let me step you through it. It's, it's the bun. Mm-hmm. I used to, um, I used to work with somebody who had previously worked at Red Rooster, and okay. she briefed me on how a rooster roll gets made because I said that they're my favourite, and she said they're disgusting. <laughs> I think this was a long time ago. It was maybe you know more than ten years ago. I mean, she's not wrong. They construct all of them ahead of time. Oh. It's like the leftover chicken. It, it's like the barbecue chuck that they make at Red Rooster. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, torn up the bread rolls. It's mayonnaise and stuffing. Oh, yes. Mixed together, and then, and that's it. And, oh, there's butter. It is butter, mayonnaise and stuffing mixed together, and uh-huh. then just bits of chicken. And so, it's my view that, uh, and one of the things to say is that they're made ahead of time and then they're microwaved before they're served to you, which I think uh, accounts for why they're so kind of soft, soft yeah. and flaccid. Like, we couldn't take it out of the bag to photograph it properly. A little bit soggy. Um, so, um, I contend that rooster roll is white person bun me in as much as there is a bread roll. Yes. There is butter. Yep. And I and there's meat, obviously. And I think that the mixture of the mayo and the stuffing takes the place of the mayo and the pate. Yes. Me. Yeah, yeah. So this is my theory. <laughs> I mean, if anything, I'm bothered by the extent to which it might insult the other barn me's that, <laughs> that we're competing this against roll. it yeah oh yeah 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 um it's i mean it's not actually a viable contender but it's a contender no it's a joke contender sorry rooster roll it's just to remind us how good the barn me's are in comparison <laughs> what does that look on your face oh god it's not great <laughs> i want to get the bit with the mayo and the, pa- <laughs> and the stuffing all of these rolls i'm just like tearing bits of bread <laughs> off the end so i can get at them Get to the meat. Sweet innards. Oh, woof. <laughs> okay. The chicken is so dry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're going to eat a rooster roll, you have to eat it immediately mm. after you buy it. <laughs> because it comes straight out of the microwave. Gluey. The, I don't know what mayo they use at <laughs> Red Rooster for this, but it's always such a worst example of the most insipid kind of um, white person mayo, you know, like. Like a gel. Yeah, exactly. Like we noticed at Cafe OMI, that, like they had the, the Bane set up where you could see what they were making yeah. the bun mees out of and we could see that it was Hellman's, so it's like a, a real egg mayonnaise. But is shitty white person mayo just sugar gel? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, this is not good. It's got like a gluey texture to it, which is partially because we had to let it sit for a bit before we could eat it while we were getting the other bun mees. It congealed. But it is... It's also like, I mean, it's the offcuts with the chicken. So it's just kind of like dry, the unflavoursome bits of chicken. There's no skin in there. It's just bits of white meat. And uh, I would like to go back to eating banh mi now, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm full. All right. So are we declaring a winner or are we declaring everyone a winner, baby? Um, everyone's a winner, baby. That's truth. Um, but also, Dara. Yeah. Dara Takeaway. Scott's Road Takeaway. Scott's Road in Dara. 
Yeah. It's um, slightly, slightly better. Yeah. And it is also only five bucks, just like the Dara Takeaway one. Yeah. Well, they're only a couple of doors down from each other. They got a price match, right? Must um, be some kind of delicate truce that they've established between the two houses. Do you think they scowl at each other? Do you think they'd eat, eat each other's bun knees? They probably bring people to the area, them both being there. True. Like sometimes having um, it brought two stores area. of a similar product close together brings people because they can go, oh, we can go to two places and pick the best. That's cute. That's why you find a lot of op shops together. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Or you have a lot of antique stores together or whatever. Ah, yes, let's go down to the antiques district. Well, if you're in the market for a barn me, go to Dara. Go to fucking Dara. Jump on the train, mate. So good. And then come to a park and listen to children scream. <laughs> That's my favourite thing to do. <laughs> throw out this godforsaken rooster roll. Memes for Marlowe. So, it's time for Memes for Marlowe. Memes for Marlowe. Where we talk about... A meme from the past, a vintage meme uh, that a young Gen Wire, our hypothetical Gen Wire Marlowe, doesn't know about. And we're trying to explain it. Well, Marlowe's an idiot. They don't know how VHS tapes work. <laughs> or how to rewind a cassette tape with a pencil. Don't worry, I don't know how to rewind anything either. Okay, so the one I thought of that we could talk about today was the Techno Viking. Uh-huh. Awesome. Do you remember the Techno Viking? I do remember Techno Viking. I think we should start off by watching the video. Yeah, awesome. So I will pause the recording and we can watch one of the, one of the videos and okay. um, then get back into it. Okay. So we just watched uh, one of the Techno Viking videos. Like, I think the original where someone had put some captions down the bottom. But I mean, like, um, I think the first time that I watched the whole thing through, there were no captions. It was just somebody showing me the raw video. Yeah. So it's uh, a video, mm-hmm. as I've obviously said, of um, like a rave, like a street rave happening in Berlin. There's all these people sort of gather around the street. There's, like, rave techno music playing. Um, and a guy comes into frame and kind of gropes or grabs a woman. He sort of seems to, like, push her yeah. as he moves past her. And then a guy comes in from the opposite direction and grabs him. Yeah. And kind of, like, gives him a bit of a talking to. Yeah. And that's the techno Viking. Yeah. Uh, he looks quite tall, mm-hmm. blonde. He's got, like, a bit of a plaited goatee beard thing going mm-hmm. on and a necklace that's like a uh, Molnir. Um, he's shirtless and he's got like, cargo pants on. Yes. And then the rest of the video is basically, I think the person filming is sitting on the back of a vehicle yeah. that's got like speakers on it or something. Yes. And it drives slowly down the street and yes. the techno Viking is directly behind the vehicle mm-hmm. and he's dancing, walking along the street. Um, and that's basically it. And it's like a cute, it seems like a cute scenario that there's a group of people who are slowly following this truck with speakers on it with some beats yeah. playing and everybody's dancing and following it around a bit. 
Yeah, and there's a bit of interaction with that guy. Someone hands him a bottle of water. Yes. Someone hands him a flyer. Um, and he looks really intense throughout the whole thing. Staunch. He stares menacingly off in the direction that guy went. He points at him, kind of threateningly. He, kind of, he feels like rave dad. Yeah. Or something. He's like, I fucking told you. And points at him. It, because I have this sense watching it, and maybe I had this discussion with somebody previously, that maybe the person that he told off had ended up sitting on the back of the oh, truck. Oh, yeah, you do actually get a bit where the camera pans around and you can see. I can't recall if it... I don't have great visual memory, but I can't... So I can't recall if it's exactly the same person, but mm. I can remember having that discussion that there was a suggestion that the person that he told off was on the back of the truck and so if that's correct it sets up an interesting sort of scenario where he's obviously continuing to have a good time and is dancing yeah but is keeping watch over this person that he's concerned is maybe a bit of a, a threat. troubling or troublesome presence yes in the scenario specifically in respect of their treatment of a femme presenting person who's in the crowd yeah yep so um, actually my I, I love techno viking as a thing because I think it's like a good news story about <laughs> people taking care of each other. Keeping the space safe kind yeah. of thing. And I don't know, maybe I'm making some assumptions here, but the music and the way that he's dancing makes me think that he's high. Oh, yes, definitely. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that everybody in the scenario is high. It sure seems <laughs> like it. Um, and so, like, I think the good news headline there is that, like, not everybody's a dick when they're high. Like, yeah. You know, people can be taking care of each other and stuff like that. Exactly. Like yeah. some, like people are handing out bottles of water. Uh-huh. It seems like a sort of well-curated little street party thing. So I looked it up and the techno festival was called Fuck Parade. Mm. <laughs> I remember this now. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it was in Berlin in July 2000. Oh, wow. It's pretty old now. And it was filmed by a German visual artist called Matthias Fritsch. Okay. And Fritsch uploaded the video to the internet in 2001. Mm -hmm. He said he intended to raise questions whether the action was real or staged. And then in 2006, somebody put it up on YouTube and it went viral in kind of 2007 after someone put it on a porn website. Okay. Like, I don't know which one, but some kind of aggregate porn, like maybe Pornhub or one of those yeah. places where it's aggregate videos and somebody put Techno Viking up there and then it kind of took off from there and went really okay. viral. Um, it was very successful. I think as of... Oh, accidentally. Oh, as of January 2013, the original version has more than 16 million views. Wow. Uh, when... Matthew Cullen and Weezer made a the Pork and Beans music video where they used a lot of meme people. They wanted to put the Techno Viking in there, but he didn't. They weren't able to do that. There was he was uh, in a few video games. There was a Techno Viking character. There was like a mod of Grand Theft Auto, I think, and there was also Mafia Wars had Techno Viking. Um, he was in oil paintings. Like, it really went beyond the web. Mm. Uh, but on the web, people remixed the video with different music and they, like, it was re-uploaded and remixed. It was on, uh, what's that site called? Uh, YMN, You're the Man Now Dog. 
Um, <laughs> the one where you put up like an image in the background and just have audio over the top. Like it was, yeah, it spread. It went viral. It was a meme. And the line, all hail techno Viking, also kind of took off as well. It sort of started in the comments on the YouTube video, but then sort of spread elsewhere as well. That really does feel like a different um, era of memery, doesn't it? Yeah. Like that feels more contemporaneous to like, is it like ceiling cutters watching you masturbate? Yeah, where sometimes it's just referencing. Yeah. And using that tagline elsewhere and everyone's like, hey, I know that thing that you're talking about. What an innocent time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it really took off. It was cool. Um, And then uh, there's the question of who the guy is. Yeah. Who is the techno Viking? Uh, There was a man who appeared in a bodybuilding broadcast on German TV called... uh, The television show was called Rab in Gefahr. And people thought that that guy was the techno Viking. Apparently not so. There was an MMA fighter called Keith Jardine that people thought may have been him. Also, apparently not. Um, And the lawyer of Techno Viking asserts that he'd never been a public figure and he did not want to become one. And the reason I bring up lawyer is because there was a lawsuit. (gasps) Tell me more. (laughs) So he sued the guy that made the video. Techno Viking sued the guy who made the video. Yeah. Um, oh, well, actually, like, w- there in Germany, there's a very different culture in relation to, like, online security and privacy. Yeah. It's very different. It seems like people's, like, relationships to those issues is very different there than it is to here. In a good way, I think. Like, I, I think th- our yeah, privacy it's, it's, is so it's, poorly secured here. It's not a criticism at all. I dated yeah. a German person for a while, and we... For me, there's, like, this sense of hopelessness and surrender, like, the idea of trying to maintain those boundaries feels, like, too much, like, more than I could ever even attempt. Yeah. And for them, their relationship was, with the online world, was highly mediated and very guarded. Yeah. But also even, like, their their descriptions to me of, like, their relationship, German people's relationship to work even seemed like a lot more arm's length. So, Mm. you know, this idea of there being a big divide between the professional and the personal lives. And for me, I'm just turning up (laughs) at my professional job as the mess that I am, (laughs) Um, you know, like rolling in at 10.15 and wearing... You know, what can really only be described as, like, work pyjamas. <laughs> that sounds like my dream uh, work situation. Yeah, just become a lawyer, mate. <laughs> sure, I'll start now. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, the Techno Vikings legal team um, said that Fritz was responsible for the entirety of the Techno Vikings character online the character of the techno Viking Mm. and they were seeking damages from him to prevent him from making new derivative works and ultimately to make him legally responsible for the entire internet's internet's remix work of the techno Viking. They even wanted the court to declare that simply making the classic finger pointing pose that he does at the beginning was a violation of his rights. And they won Fritz was ordered to pay the man 13,000 euros in damages 
almost all the money that he had made from YouTube ad revenue and sales of Techno Viking merchandise, plus 10,000 euros in court costs and to cease the publication of his image. This is in like a German court, right? This is in a German court. Yeah, I, I suppose that all of those things could make sense mm. in a German court. Here, it would not make sense. Yeah. Like if somebody takes a photograph of you, you don't tend to have rights, meaningful rights in relation to that image mm. because you're not like the author of that image. Of the work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it shows a kind of like, there's only so far the law can reach into the world of the internet. Like you can stop that one guy, but you... You can't stop all those remixed and re-uploaded derivative works. Like, you can't get them all taken down from all the different places they are all over the internet, hosted in all those different countries. I mean, like, you know, maybe a jurisdiction can think that it wants to try to make an order in respect to those matters, but... I think the practicalities of the way... Yeah, like, I was able to show you that video now. Many years after that court case, like, he obviously had to remove or edit the original video, but... There's still versions of it available online with very little work. So um, there was an article in the Daily Dot where Fritsch said he was not pleased with the verdict, obviously. While he said he supports a person's right to privacy, he also believes the video was a work of art and that by forcing him to pay back his YouTube earnings, the court is essentially saying an artist cannot profit from their work. He said he'd like to take the legal fight to a higher court, but that would put him even deeper in debt. Yeah. And the guy in particular, the techno Viking, never actually came into court. His lawyers acted as proxy, so we still don't. He still maintained that privacy. Um, And uh, Fritz was put into debt because of this whole thing. He ended up later on doing a crowdfunding campaign to make a documentary about the whole ordeal, which was called "The Story of Techno Viking." And apparently that was released in 2015, which I have never seen, never looked up, never heard of until now. And that's all we know about the Techno Viking. We still don't know who he is, I believe. How very um, German of him. Mm, Which is what he wanted, so good on him. It's a whole 90 minutes, this story of Techno Viking thing. Yeah. Oh my God, does it have a Rotten Tomatoes rating? (laughs) I mean... People who go viral in memes like that, I think it very, very much damages your life or alters your life. Um, wait, no. I was about to be like, oh my God, it has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 93%. But I ended up on like the page for Vikings. (laughs) There's a short version that you can watch on Vimeo that's like 50 minutes long. I should watch it. Yeah. Over a decade later, I'm still fascinated by the Techno Viking. Oh, it's an article. I, um, it's like, I have a real soft spot for Techno Viking. Because I've been the femme at a gig yeah. that some dick pushes. Oh, yeah. Like, and... It actually doesn't seem that routine or that regular that some mask presenting person actually steps in and tells the person to back the fuck off. Mm. Um, 
So when I see him doing that, and I think part of what's interesting is that we don't see the femme person again in the video. No, they kind of wander off. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but Techno Viking seems sort of like focused mm. on making sure that this person isn't continuing to create trouble for the duration of the video yeah. in the main. Um, and it makes, like, obviously he's bringing something physical and, like, vaguely aggressive to the task of what does it mean to be a responsible man in a community situation, mm. but also, like, uh, techno-viking, techno-viking makes me think about people being willing to take responsibility for keeping other people safe. Yeah, okay. So, I like, techno-viking is, like, I think actually really hot, like a heartwarming good news story <laughs> from my perspective. I have a bit of a, like, I think this is more modern, more, like, in the last few years. When I see people doing the kind of um, Norse mythology kind of white guy really into Norse mythology looking a bit tough and muscly thing, I start to go, ooh, is this a white nationalist? Oh, but this is like 2000 yeah. in Berlin. Yeah, so like, probably it's, it's, it's not, if, if that hopefully. Guy, if that guy looked like that, if I, was at a, if I was at a dance thing in Australia today and I saw that guy, I would be concerned. Yes. But back then, perhaps not. I can't. It's not correct, but I kind of just read him as Norwegian. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's Yeah, just... I don't think I had those fears when I first saw the video. I don't think the the rise of the right was quite as, sorry, oh, you know, the yeah, na- neo-Nazi right was quite as developed. And, um, I mean, it's always there, right? But I don't think it was at the level my own, I think I spent a really brief amount of time in Germany in 2010 mm. and went to some dance things. Yeah. And at that particular point in time, it seemed like you really, like, if you came out with anything kind of vaguely too right-leaning, people were going to smack you down. Mm. It wasn't cool. Yeah. And it seemed like German people had a really big sensitivity about that stuff coming up. Yes, in true. community. Mm. As a, you know, and I was probably in like a university educated or like university student leaning kind of social milieu. So that would probably affect things too. But it meant that things that would otherwise seem like visual signifiers of maybe being affiliated with more right leaning kind of stuff didn't feel the same. Mm. Yes, true. It was a different time. It was a different time. Um, okay, so that's that's the Techno Viking. That's it, Marlo. It's a Techno Viking. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it, Marlo? Do you get why it's funny? Do you think... Is it funny? Uh, a bit. I mean, oh, God. I think I what people did with it was funny. I think the music that people put to it, I think the captions that they put on it, where they sort of created a character voice for him was funny. I'm not sure that I ever really engaged with that stuff myself. Mm. The way he is sort of aggressively dancing and the camera is so focused on his bouncy pecs is quite funny. (laughs) 
Wow, we're so low energy. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I don't have lots of funny things to say about techno Viking because I just like I like techno Viking. Yeah. In ways that aren't like funny, ha ha. Yeah. It feels warm and safe to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's cool. It's like you know a scary dude who's going to take care of everybody at the party. I always appreciate being on the side of a scary looking dude who's going to take care of everybody at the party. So when I see Techno Viking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just Daryl. I've known that guy. True. All hail Techno Viking. There's a lesson in that for you, Marlo. I don't know what it is, but okay. <laughs> no, chill out with the scary looking guy <laughs> right, who's yes. a nice guy. Okay. Well, to the end of another online mole patrol. I hope you have enjoyed your time here with us this week um we'll be back in a fortnight with a new episode unless i have another breakdown (laughs) (laughs) just don't move house again all right fine um tell your mates about the show that's the only way people are going to find it or write review on apple podcasts we only have a couple of those um and apparently they help so if you've got a few spare minutes and you really enjoy the podcast then do it take your meds drink some water Look out for the femmes at the party. Always look out for the femmes at the party. And look out for everyone at the party. Femmes to the front. All right, bye. Bye.